It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Money for Lunch. Good to have you here. We're going to just jump into it with the quote of the day. Uh, this quote of the day was sent in, was sent to us uh, by Madison W. Madison W., thank you so much. She's out of Columbus, Ohio, one of my favorite cities, interestingly enough. Uh, if you have a quote of the day, send it to me, and if we read it on the air, you'll get some amazing swag. There are no constraints on the human mind, no walls around the human spirit, no barriers to our progress except those we ourselves erect. And that is by Ronald Reagan. Great quote by Ronald Reagan. There are no constraints on the human mind, no walls around the human spirit, no barriers to our progress except those we ourselves erect. What a great quote. All right, let's get this party started. Today on the show, I'm being joined by Courtney Whitehead. Courtney Whitehead wants us to reimagine the concept of discipline in our minds and see it as a way to learn who we are and let go of the comfort and familiarity we have with our identities, knowing that we can evolve. She helps us relinquish our fixed identities of ourselves, teaching us to have faith in our own capabilities and opening us up to our lives possibilities. Courtney Whitehead, welcome to Money for Lunch. Hi, thanks for having me. You bet, you bet. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, this is also in conjunction with your book, Working Whole, How to Unite Your Career and Your Work to Live Fulfilled. I love that title. Perfect. And, and how to unite your spiritual beliefs and your work to live fulfilled. Yeah. How to unite your career? Spiritual beliefs. Uh, spiritual beliefs. Did I read? The, am I getting the wrong one here? I apologize. All right. So um, either way, it's good to have you here. I'm excited to talk about this. And, and this idea of letting ourselves go, uh, letting our, our, what do you call it, our uh, letting go of our uh, identities is, I think, a rather interesting idea because our identities are built by the stories that we've either told ourselves or that we were told, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. And a lot of times those identities or those stories, I mean, are, are completely false. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think one of the interesting things about discipline is that um, a lot of us secretly think we, we either lack discipline or, or don't have enough. Um, and we imagine that there's all these people out there that are, are pursuing bigger dreams and launching businesses, getting promoted because they are more disciplined. Um, certainly nowhere does this come up more than as we try to eat healthier or exercise and things like that. Um, but it's actually – our fixed view of ourselves, um, the idea that we know ourselves so well, um, that we know we can't change and we know what we're capable of and we know what our instincts are, um, and all of those things actually set us up in a way um, to fail 
uh, amongst the things that we most want to make happen. Um, so a great example is when I thought I lacked discipline, I, I thought I was someone who couldn't live in moderation or someone who mm. had to be all or nothing. And I, and I know that, that this concept resonates sometimes with people. And I held on to that idea very tightly because there is a comfort in knowing who you are. There is something nice about knowing what I will or won't do. Um, but what I finally had to realize is that the spiritual principle of discipline, um, or at least the core value of discipline, is really meant to help us create habits that help us change. Um, they're not meant to reinforce the things that we, who we already are today. They're, they're meant to move us towards the things we want most. Um, and it really is a tool more than it is a restrictive willpower or a rigidity in us, inside of ourselves. Discipline is a tool we can really harness and use if we believe we can. Yeah, no, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think discipline and accountability are mis what's the word I'm looking for? They you know they, they've been given this bad rep, right? And, yeah. and so they are great tools. And and I cannot wait to dive into this uh into this a little bit deeper with you. So let's start off. I always like to ask this question and that is what inspired you? What was the catalyst that got you to write this book, Working Whole? I think probably I'm saying what a lot of authors, especially first-time authors, say, which is it was the book I wanted to read. It was the book that I felt I really needed in my life. Um, as I had made career transitions, figuring out how to bring my full self, figuring out how to take the pieces of my personal life and my spiritual life that I might be working on on the side but, but, but strictly leaving out of the office, because that was business and, and the other side is personal, um, but feeling that my life was a bit disconnected. So on the one mm -hmm. hand, there are certain principles around business. Um, if you take humility as an example, um, I may be working personally to bring humility into my personal relationships or into my marriage, frankly. Um, but then when I get into the office place, I'm expected to do an enormous amount of self-promotion and branding, and, and then lots of our businesses need marketing and that sort. And so it felt like maybe these were a disconnect, and what I needed help with was sorting through how do you bring the two together. Uh, and so essentially that started five years ago, um, a, a lot of study and work. I'm obviously a, a career expert, so the work side I already knew. Uh, it was really bringing together the tools that helped you think about how do you bring that personal side into work. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know what, in, in listening to you, you're right. There are so many things that we are supposed to uh, – Sort of, you know, uh, leave leave behind, or, or you know, would call it leave outside, and, and and this idea of of humility versus self promotion is interesting because you're absolutely right. In a competitive environment, whether it's athletics or a corporate environment or whatever, you have to sometimes toot your own horn. You have to look out for yourself, and, and, and you're trying to, you know, in some cases it's literally compete with other people around you, but in some kinds, it, sometimes it's just a, a uh, what do you call it, a tacit agreement that everybody's competing. 
and so how do you do that and, and at the same time try to be humble about it? It would seem almost impossible. It is if the reason you're doing it ultimately is to compete. Um, and so mm-hmm. what I think ends up happening is we get stuck in this competitive mode. We get stuck almost in a guarded mode, particularly in our professional lives, um, maybe even in our personal lives. Um, but we may be doing work to take those walls down, to be more open, to be inclusive. There's a lot of work we may be doing in our personal lives um, that bringing into the professional life seems too tricky. It seems too contrary to what will ultimately work. And so some of what I hope um, the book gets across, and, and each chapter takes one attribute at a time, is that really why you are doing it matters the most. Um, And so there is a way to show up in the workplace where you are quite confident and you absolutely stand out and are a thought leader and are an expert in your space that comes from a place of humility versus coming from a place of of pure self-promotion for the sake of it. Um, And the outcomes are the same, if not better. Um, And what I hope the book does is take, and I'll just, the, the eight attributes are humility, surrender, Discipline, gratitude, connection, love, power, and patience. And what I hope it does is takes you through each of these one by one so that you can see, you know the word. I mean, you know what love means. You you know what patience is. But how do you actually bring that fully into your work life and then still manifest the things you want most? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, something that took me a long time to understand in the corporate arena or in the entrepreneur, in in the work arena, however you want to call it, in the the business world, Mm -hmm. that's I guess a better uh, adjective that, you know, we have hard skills and soft skills and things like emotion and these attributes that you mentioned are, you know, would be considered, soft skills, but it took me a long time to realize that these are really the most important skills. Mm-hmm. Emotional intelligence, people skills, uh, humility, patience, these soft skills are are essential. I mean, they truly are essential. If you look at a leader that somebody might admire, they're going to have, if not all of the elements that you mentioned, they're going to have most of them. And then if you look at a leader that we don't admire, somebody that might be impatient, somebody who who is not able to show love, uh, these are leaders that don't tend to be leaders. They're, they're, they're people that tend to be by themselves. They're, they're, the, they're, their solo, they're the solo entrepreneur because they have to be. Nobody can stand being around them. Absolutely. And you're nailing it because it's actually these attributes that feel too soft to bring into the business world that actually the most extraordinary leaders and business people have and are not afraid to use. Uh, And so there's the added benefit, or I might argue the more important benefit, that living in this way actually gives you peace and fulfillment it's the, that's the reason why you're working to bring it into your personal life. Um, bringing right. it fully into your life gives you peace and fulfillment, period. But there's the added benefit to your point that uh, the most extraordinary leaders and successful people are doing this as, as well. It's really not a business hindrance. It's just maybe not 
part of the business survival instincts that a lot of us pick up along the way or that a lot of us have been told or or should be a part of the playbook. Um, And so there's a bit of unwiring that has to happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about this. When you look at the business world, what are some of the core beliefs that you find are missing in today's business culture, entrepreneurial culture, whatever you want to call it? So we touched on one of them um, just now, which is is just about the idea of whether or not it's all about competition. Um, So I won't go back to that particular point, but I would say that the second one really centers around the idea of love and potential. Um, So love is certainly not a word we use in in, in a business context. Uh, but it's a word in our personal lives that we hold as, as almost the highest virtue. So, so we do understand that that is linked to love and to, I mean, into enjoyment and um, quality living. In the business context, I see love as really a way of nurturing potential. And, and it's not that romantic love. It's not even touchy-feely. It's, it's actually quite growth-oriented um, because it's really focused on am I living up to my potential? Am I honoring the one life I was given? And are am I helping other people do that as well? Um, and so oftentimes, even in our work lives, we have these moments. I'm actually thinking about um, someone I, I recently spoke to that was sharing that they had a, a sudden death in the family that really startled them awake in a way where where they started to think, you know, maybe I need to change my whole life. Maybe I need to change my career. And they came to me because they were afraid they were overreacting. Um, They were afraid that they were getting emotional um, and going to do some rash things and hoping I would, I would be the career expert that would, would talk them off the ledge, um, so to speak. And in reality, these are the kinds of flashes towards the potential of life. They're the sort of things that come up over the course of a career or a lifetime that briefly awaken us to our potential, that we could do more, that we should do more. Um, and that, to me, is actually a loving belief that, that is oftentimes absent in certainly corporate careers where, where people get on a ladder and think they just have to keep climbing or they find themselves in a situation that's not too bad, but just okay, and they think, you know, I should be satisfied with this, I'm making good money. Um, and, the, and so the principle of love really should be awakening you to your life. Yeah, I like that. And, and you know what, this is one of those things that, Again, to, I know to a lot of people it's going to sound weird or touchy-feely, and they're probably <laughs> rolling their eyes. But how many of us know somebody who followed the plan, which they went from high school, they got, they went to college, they got a, a, a great degree, they're working, quote, in a, in a great job, and they're doing everything they're supposed to, and they hate their lives, right? They're overeating. They're, they're you know – they're they're using they're buying drugs. everything in sight. <laughs> right. You know, they just hate what they're doing. And as corny as it sounds, you know, the old message uh by many leaders, including Mark Cuban and Oprah Winfrey about following your bliss or doing what you love and maybe you can make a good living at it is to me the trademark of a, of a successful person because if you 
uh, everybody knows somebody who's, who's gotten a degree and then they, they're, they're either not working in that area or they went back and got a second degree and sometimes a third degree. But if you hate what you're doing, even though it pays you a lot of money, you're, in my opinion, not successful. You're, you're just miserable. And, and mm-hmm. you have a great, you know, you have a, you have a high paying job. Congratulations. And there's got to be more to that. And, and, and man, it's just what, what a miserable way to live if that's all you're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's funny you should, should say that it sounds too touchy-feely uh, because I absolutely experienced that. I mean, it certainly occurred to me when I wanted to write this book uh, that people would perceive it as too soft to be serious or business, and, and how would that impact my own professional brand? Um, I actually had a funny conversation with someone recently where they said uh, when they when they show up in a meeting and they drop the F-bomb, they're seen as so authentic and genuine, uh, but if you are to use the word love in the workplace, uh, it's 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 seen as being cheesy or, or too soft. Um, and, yeah. and so I think there's also some component of that that underlines the point of we create this barrier between what we want in our real lives and what we think flies in work. Um, I don't know too many people who, if you ask them about their personal lives, they would say, oh, I'm hoping – I, love is is silly, or I don't want love to be involved, right. or it's not important to me. Um, and so thinking through how do I weave what's really important to me in life, period, into all areas to include work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's so – you're right. It's so funny. Yeah, if, you, if you're dropping a bunch of F-bombs, you're authentic. And if you're talking about your emotions and your love and love or, or whatever other emotions might be bothering you, then you've crossed the line somehow. And, uh, you know, I think that if you drop an occasional F-bomb, hey, that might be okay. But if that's all you're dropping, then maybe you need to get uh, – maybe you need to expand your vocabulary. <laughs> but uh, we'll save that for a different time. So, so – let me ask you this. What do you think is going on? What is the greatest barrier to bringing my spiritual beliefs into work? It's absolutely uh, just a belief that it doesn't belong there um, and that in doing so you'll be perceived as uh, too emotional or or somehow making – I think a lot of people hear the term, it's not, it's not personal, it's business. And they believe that this is a real concept um, when in actuality, and I have been in a variety of, of business contexts, it's always personal. There's always something else going on. There's always something that decides who gets the promotion or who got the job or whether or not they invest in your business. Um, and it is much, much more than clear numbers and facts and, and, the, and the cold business concept that we like to create and create an image of. Um, and so the barrier ultimately is fully seeing that, fully seeing that, oh, we are dealing with something that absolutely is an analytical world. You don't want to swing the pendulum too far to the right. It's not, it's not all about showing up with a loving spirit and not getting your work done and thinking you'll get results out of that. Um, you need to do both, and so the integration of what you believe in your work is really the hindrance. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly enough, isn't that what hinders us all the time is our beliefs, right? Back to the beginning of this, of this show when we were talking about your identity, 
you know, and I think that some of us have an identity that empowers us and some of us have an, uh, an identity that doesn't empower us. And, and some of us are trying to find the identity that that's going to help us out the most. And, and, you know, when you look at somebody who has, uh, let's say, a ridiculous belief in themselves, but, and, and I don't mean, let me rephrase it. They have a ridiculous belief about themselves, but they back up that ridiculousness with hard work, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those people, sooner or later, will be cheered and respected. You know, like, like all of us, at first they're, they're ignored and sometimes they're made fun of. And then when they start succeeding, you know, it's like the whole world gets behind them. And they knew it. You know, the whole world knew it all along. Man, we knew you were going to be successful. We just weren't behind you until, you know, now that you're successful, we love you all the time. You know, you look at somebody like a Schwarzenegger who, you know, has this ridiculous accent and, and you know, he, he comes here to the U.S. and goes from being an athlete to a business person to a movie star to a politician. And nobody would have seen that potential in him. Uh, certainly in the movies, he, you know, nobody was supporting him. Everybody told him he was he was too big and his accent was too strong and his name was too big and there's no way he was going to be successful you know the same thing with uh, with Sylvester Stallone with his uh, his uh, accent or whatever. But you know when you have this ridiculous belief in yourself, you can accomplish miracles. You can create your own reality. And like I said, then after you create your own reality, then you have the whole world behind you. Absolutely, absolutely. I could not I could not agree with that more. How do we? as a society, instill that in our children. Because to me, what you and I are talking about right here, right now, is more important than any subject in school. And, and, and you know, we could spend a, you know, hours talking about our school system here in America is, <laughs> I'll say, needs to be updated, right, to catch this up. I mean, it, it hasn't been changed in, in a very, very long time. Uh, and And you know, how to set goals, how to believe in yourself are so critically important, but yet they're missing from our school system. What's your thought on this? I could not agree um, more. Um, I I certainly have an enormous amount of respect for uh, the teachers and and the school system that are trying to do the work, but the structural system itself is set up for a lot of box checking, a lot of let me, let me figure out how to give the world what it requires of me versus figuring out how to create beliefs and plans and self-motivation and and develop some of that grit that it takes to move through that along the way. And I understand I'm not an educator, so I certainly don't know how we ultimately would get there, but I am a parent of two teenage sons, two, two sons in high school. And certainly as you move through the process, you you realize as a parent, um, I'm having to ask things of you just to check the boxes that aren't necessarily enforcing or, or reinforcing the messages I want you to most take away about learning and growth and about following passion. Um, but I'm also a parent, so I, I have to reconcile for myself sometimes uh, the, the fear that I might want you to pick a safer career or move towards paths that um, I, I think will – create more immediate security um, because I, 
because I want you to be safe. And I also, as a parent, have to hold myself then honest, since I can't fix the school system, honest to at least be messaging the right things, honest to at least be encouraging them to take appropriate risks and to believe in themselves, and then to your point, back it up with that enormous amount of hard work uh, that, that does need to be there as well. And uh, it's an interesting journey. It's funny you should even ask me that question in this moment, just because given I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, given the ages that they're in, uh, their careers and lives are, are, are just as much a present part of, of my household as my own. Um, and and it's, it's really something to make sure you instill, instill that alignment and belief in following your dreams early. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And, and it's, it's interesting that you brought up this idea of, you know, especially when your children start to make that decision and go in ways that maybe you didn't expect or that you don't feel comfortable with. I, I, I'm doing that right now with, uh, uh, with uh, one of my twin girls who has chosen a career path uh, to serve our country, and it wasn't something I was expecting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm both nervous and proud of her decision, but, yeah, it's like, wow, wait a minute. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, Give us an example of how a person might integrate a spiritual belief into their corporate life or work life. Sure, certainly. So I will take, I think because we covered humility, I'll just dig into that one a little bit more. Um, And so focusing on humility potentially as I see myself as exactly the same as uh, the person who's, who's cleaning the office, as the CEO, as Oprah Winfrey, as Mark Cuban, as you uh, referenced. Humility is not just about seeing yourself below people. And so oftentimes people think of humility as lowering your self-image. Or, um, and it certainly is not thinking yourself above someone, but that doesn't mean lower. And so right. where humility becomes incredibly important in the workplace is when you see yourself truly equal to anyone. Um, it gives you a positioning to be able to do jobs that somebody else might think are beneath them, be able to do things without a lot of attitude or resentment that um, – could actually present opportunities and propel you forward, but it also gives you the ability to be in meetings and provide input, be a thought leader, have your own point of view in a way that oftentimes the people who are unable to bring humility into the workplace have almost a mental structure of who am I more important than and who am I less important than. And both of those dynamics really hinder your career because it stops you from from supporting and serving and, and being the kind of leader you want to be, but it also, and, and probably even more detrimental, stops you from playing above the rank that you think you should be in. Um, and so when you bring humility fully into into the workplace, it, it allows you to show up in an extraordinary way. And there is an inherent confidence in that, that, that people see, they notice, they know there's something different about you. It's not an arrogance that's disarming, um, but it also is a very genuine confidence and, and almost an executive presence. Absolutely. Uh, I, I can't remember who said it, but I think one of my favorite quotes, is true, humi- true humility is not thinking less of yourself, 
it's thinking of yourself less, you know, and, and so you don't have to always be the big shot in the room. Uh, and I like what you said about uh, comparing ourselves to other people to understand that, that, you know, that on some level, the, the, we call it the janitor and I have something in common and there are some things that I can learn from the janitor and there's some things that I can learn uh, and some things that the janitor can learn from me. You know, there, there's, there is, um, there is something powerful in, in, in being humble. And the great thing about being humble is that you're able, you're open to learning more, right? You tend to be more grateful. Uh, and I don't think, you know, when I have met somebody who's truly humble, uh, they just are so relaxed. They don't get uptight or upset. Uh, they don't take things as personal because they understand that it's really not about them. Even though they might have lost the deal, they may get they may get a rejection letter, they may get you know cut, cut off in traffic. They're they're confident in who they are and. and they don't need that, you know, they don't need to be, what do you call it? Uh, they don't need to be a big deal. They don't need to be reminded how awesome they are all the time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you find somebody with a big ego and they're just so difficult to deal with. And at the same time, they're uh, so easy to manipulate in the sense that, uh, you know, you can push their buttons, both the good and the bad. And, and, you know, it, it's it's a really amazing thing. Um, I had the uh, I had the opportunity uh, to um, hang out with uh, Jason Statham, uh, the movie star Jason Statham. Very, you know, he, definitely a, a confident guy. He is confident. Uh, he's got. Uh, uh, he definitely knows who he is. But yet, he was a very humble guy. We hung out with him and his brother, uh, and we spent about four or five hours with them and it was just a very awe-inspiring thing that this guy was so, just so comfortable, uh, didn't take himself seriously. He poked fun at, you know, he, he just was a regular guy. You would never know that, you know, uh, that he was an actor. You'd never know any of that. And, and, uh, when you meet somebody, that is that successful and that humble and confident with themselves back to how we started the show. They they know who they are. They know who their identity is. Uh, It's, it's inspiring. Absolutely. All right. So real quick, I am speaking today with Courtney Whitehead and the book that uh, we have been talking about what did I do with that little note the book is available on Amazon and it's called working a whole how to unite your spiritual beliefs and your work to live fulfilled and available on Amazon both in Kindle and paperback form Um, Courtney it's been a pleasure having you on the show looking forward to have you back again and if somebody wanted to reach out to you let's say they wanted to I don't know maybe uh, book you for a speaking engagement or uh, just find out more about you. What's the best website for you? The best website is uh, simplyservice.org. Simplyservice.org. Love that. Uh, Courtney Whitehead, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. 
All righty, good stuff there from Courtney Whitehead. Again, the book is Working Whole. What did I do with it? Yeah, Working Whole, How to Unite Your Spiritual Beliefs and Your Work to Live Fulfilled. I'm going to put a link in the notes, so all you have to do is click there if you want to get a copy of the book. And as always, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by. I really enjoyed my time with Courtney Whitehead. Um, and you can find out more about her at simplyservice.org. Um, you know, our ego gets us in trouble all the time. When I look back at all my major mistakes in life, they were egocentric. Uh, it was just me trying to show off. And, man, that bites me in the butt talks each and every time. So uh, it's good to have an ego, but it's better to have some humility as well. As always, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by. Let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people bring their spiritual beliefs or unite their spiritual beliefs, right, with, uh, with their workplace. As always, my friends, remember you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.